This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. This is Everything Elite, the world's best podcast devoted exclusively to all elite wrestling and the elite extended universe. I may be, and I'm trying really hard to pretend like I didn't hate this fucking episode of Dynamite. (sighs) Anyway, uh, Nate is back. Nate's here. He's on the podcast. What's up, Nate? It's a really... uh... Uh, just for the future reference, Aaron, if you're if you're trying to maintain a lie or like present an image that's not true, uh, don't have it be the first thing you say that uh, uh, the thing you're trying to hide. Right? You probably want to wait. It should be like the last thing you say, really. Okay. Okay. So what you're I should have like at the end of the episode, I should have said that I hated. I'm like, ah, surprise! I hated it. <laughs> All right. That would be better for wait. You know, maintaining the oh. But what if the thing at the end is going to be that actually I liked the episode? Well, whoa. Now, you see, here's the thing. You're going a little bit TNA where you're just putting a swerve on top of a swerve. And then you just, the, the crowd gets confused and loses interest. It's like that Cody promo tonight. Am I right? No, I think it had the crowd's interest. <laughs> if nothing else, it had their interest. <laughs> uh, they were listening. But yeah, That's I'm back for sure. Um, uh, I had to do a lot of reading. I had to take a sabbatical so I could read. I'm, I'm one of the, the top readers in the world now. So that's what I was doing. But so uh, what's going on with you, Aaron? Oh, nothing, man. I was hoping people would start like a rumor about like, uh, you know, dissension among the Everything Elite crew. But I don't think anybody no, started yeah. that rumor. Not that my feelings were, uh, you know, very hurt, but I don't think anybody noticed. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't see any comments about Nate not being on the show. Um, uh, not that I Nate, noticed or took that personally at all. There were a lot of people in my in my DMs, uh, just you know, saying mm. that they missed you and were wondering when you were going to be back. So, just okay. wanted you to know that my next my next sabbatical will have to be longer. It, it, we have to get it to the point where people are texting you like, "Where's Nate? What's going on?" I will say I wasn't on light this morning, and I got a DM on Discord almost immediately after it came out checking on me so <laughs> okay brag <laughs> but i just had to work that was that was all that was going on uh speaking of uh, my good friend who always covers for me when i can't do light is here it's mike spears what's up mike you see i've been getting a lot of dms about how my takeover of the ee patreon has been going seamlessly you know <laughs> that's so, true i guess you had two solo shows on recently <laughs> hey i was I mean, on light yeah nate was on light like like let's be fair like let's be let's hear nate had the vlog quick hits i i mean so my takeover i'm doing is doing really shittily if that was what's happening <laughs> just really just uh j- j- just an entire bungled uh segment or bungled match much like the finish in the opener tonight 
So oh, oh. there we there go. There were a couple of but, finishes that were weird. Yeah, this was this is going to be an interesting episode. I feel like I know Aaron. You know, uh, you got some hate in your heart you need to let out, but you're also fighting. You know, the sleepies. So we might get like the rare, like sleepy, wacky Aaron who buries things. So I'm kind of excited about this. Well, not that not... rare. Not that rare. <laughs> yeah, no, that is true. That is true. I don't. I've been happy lately. I don't know if you caught the show while you were gone, Nate, but uh, I've been enjoying things recently. Hmm. So that wonder was, if that's wonder if that's my influence. Uh, you know, I have to. I have to comment on your influence because I definitely have found myself caring more about like what's over and what's like exciting and hmm. and uh, what's entertaining. I don't really. I I'm becoming your famous tweet about nobody say the name of a move to me. Yeah, well, I don't. You know, the the exciting and entertaining thing. I think you've always valued. You're always <laughs> you uh, you don't have a lot of patience for a slow match that eventually gets there. You want to be hooked right off the bat. So that's not new. Uh, but yeah, if you if you care about what's actually getting over for the crowds, then that would be, I think, my influence. Uh, were you or were you not on the episode when I admitted that I have become chugspilled? Um, no, I saw your tweet about it. I was not on the, on the episode, but I saw you tweet that you involuntarily smiled when the chugs made his entrance. Uh, yeah, it's just, I don't know. There, well, I'm going to talk about that later, but yeah, it's just... Uh, you just can't, you can't deny the chugs and uh, the excitement that the people feel when the chugs comes out. You just can't do it. He lights up the arena. He does. He really lights the fuse. Oh, I know. All right. We're on Twitter at everything. AEW. I'm at Aaron, like the car. Nate's at Epitasis. Mike's at Fuji. Hey, ya. subscribe to the podcast. You just type in everything elite on whatever podcast app you like to use. You hit subscribe to that feed you got to subscribe to the feed and make sure you get all our great episodes fuse apple podcast app give us a five-star rating and review and please support the show go to patreon.com slash everything elite sign up it's fun okay uh we will kick things off with elite or delete uh mike i know is feeling a lot of sadness as he has gone first yeah the last two weeks um, it felt so good. The I, prodigal I son returns. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the good good son who stayed home and helped his father with the with the podcast gets with no the extra care. The prodigal son gets all the attention <laughs> and the love and the benefits. Uh, that, that is how it works. So, Nate, yeah. Bud, uh, what was your favorite oh. thing on the show tonight? Well, you did a uh, you did a quote tweet. I don't know, right before the main event, Aaron. I think about how how you hated the show <laughs> and uh, you know, you should listen to the podcast. If you want to hear Aaron be mad about the show. Um, I was, I was pretty down on the show, but you know, there's an old maxim in wrestling that if it has a good ending, then it was a good show. And this show had a good ending. The best thing on this show by a wide margin was, I suppose the entire main event segment you had, uh, you know, the, your, your standard, very good, elite multi-man tag match uh with the halloween costumes for the little seasonal flair 
Uh, and then you had the the tremendous uh, angle with Hangman Adam Page pulling his Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man mask. Is it a mask if it covers your whole head? Uh, off and revealing himself to be himself. And then, you know, getting his revenge on the Elite and letting them all out for the big triumphant babyface win. Um, they've done, you know, the Elite have done basically all the elements of this before. The Ghostbusters costumes they did on a Corquin. Uh, I don't know how many years ago, four, five years ago, something. Uh, and of course, the classic angle where a mascot is revealed to be the guy who's feuding with the guy in the match. Kenny Omega did, I think, on a Ring of Honor Vegas show before the big Ring of Honor match with Cody. RIP the Ring of Honor while I'm at it. Uh, so it's kind of funny to see, you know, these guys who we still kind of regard as like the new kids on the block, you know, the young bucks, the up and coming promotion. But these are guys who have now been around the world for, you know, going on two decades or whatever. And they've got all these tricks. They've got these angles that they ran themselves. They plan these storylines out themselves and they can just dig back into that history and go, Hey, well this worked. Hey, well this worked. We haven't done this yet. Uh, and throw it on the show and hangman page. Once again, gargantuan babyface pop, in the perfect spot, right where you want him, up uh, coming up on this title challenge. So it put a big smile on my face, and then it was like, "Well, I like you know, I can't be mad about the rest of the show because they got me at the end." Yeah, it, it's something that it. I I think it was Akuma who like quote tweeted us a, like a month back saying like the perfect like spot is one that the fans can see coming just like a moment before and like Adam Page just like slowly making his way onto screen more and more as the safe puff marshal and first checking on Rick Knox and slowly like edging his way and they're just keeping in the background and then slowly like moving up to like the uh, onto the apron and getting in the ring and everything with Brandon Cutler it was just the way it it played off like it hit all the hit all the moments it needed to hit in a match that I mean, well, we got a whole crowd chanting budge at Adam, at Adam Cole at, at the chugs right now being chugs build. So it just was like, they do these matches incredibly well. We've said this dozens of times like this is kind of the specialty match here. It had like the right amount of battle, battle of Los Angeles night three losers trios vibes to it, but still had enough uh, uh, enough toothiness into it that it was a solid Atomico's match and then yeah Nate like you end this match with your hottest program with your hottest baby face star unmasking himself from being a Halloween costume and laying out everyone to rock just applause and you kind of have to step away from that and I mean it's the last thing on the show and it's the thing that's going to resonate is folks are going to remember that Adam Page was the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man and it's one of those things that you could forget a lot or forgive a lot when you have something like that that's just going to etch the the itself into your memory. They create moments. You know, they don't create television shows. They create moments. It's like, you know, you think Telling back stories. To, to Stone Cold Steve Austin and the beer truck. What else was on that episode of Raw? Nobody has any idea. Probably 15 terrible matches. But they had the beer truck. And tonight, the Stay Pest Marshmallow Man was Adam Page's beer truck. You know, Mike, you talk about Adam Page and edging, and I have to say, uh, that's the Adam Page experience, right? I mean, he's been edging toward this uh, full gear, hopefully championship win for years now, 
and uh we all just can't wait to see him explode like a like a marshmallow like marshmallow cream maybe just because <laughs> on sunday you were able to make me have a comment about cream pies does not mean that you're going to be able to pull this off on me every week unless you're using your lawyer skills and by, by knowing that you were going to bring this up that would make another comment about this so mike fuck I you. Think, <laughs> three weeks in a row i think we have mike talking about coming cream pies and edging <laughs> this is all that brings me joy so thank well, I, you. He, he didn't touch on edging this week so he just he went back to cream pies it was coming <laughs> and then cream pies twice <laughs> oh no i just i just realized that my sister now knows that i have a podcast and is probably going to listen to it. <laughs> this is her first episode she listens to uh my favorite thing well, she asked me about it a long time ago and of course i denied and was like oh yeah, yeah i'll send you send you the link sometime and you know purposely never did uh and now uh, i'm pretty sure she found it i hate when that happens um i uh, yeah. my favorite thing about the main event was that you could just sense how much jim ross hated it and that was just making happiness course through my veins i mean when they were sl when they did the whole final spot built around the fucking now because he said protein packs once now i want to say protein packs <laughs> but when they did that whole spot and he you could just hear him fucking seething and like not wanting it to happen and then it happens it, it that was very pleasing to me it made me very happy i'm sure he hated the adam page thing uh so that's what i like most about this you know what really is funny about that uh, you know, but all, all these old timer guys who criticize when AEW does, you know, something fun or goofy or whatever, and in particular, JR and Cornette, they got the ball rolling. They were the guys laying shit out in the Attitude Era when this is the direction that American pro wrestling went in, right? Where it was not about, you know, straight laced matches and what the fuck ever, you know, uh, and they did broader angles and more crash tv or whatever uh they never that never comes up it's never you know that they start got the ball rolling um they never acknowledge the wwe's role in what american pro wrestling is uh because they worked at wwe and they'd have to examine their own role anyway this is not new information no but it's true and it was fun i mean well no i'm not i'm not gonna bitch about jr i don't care about it that much uh but just that look on Adam Page's face when he pulled off the mask or whatever it was. And he's like hamming for sure, but he's also kind of playing it straight in like his facial expression. And that, that kind of is what made the segment for me. I'm just like, that was perfect. Very intense. A lot of intensity. Yeah, he's good, folks. Okay, Mike, but... I, I know you had to wait, but sometimes patience is a virtue and, and sometimes, you know, deliver. <laughs> no, I'm not going to do another ending joke. Mike, what was your favorite favorite thing on this show? I, I mean, I was going to no sell it regardless. You, you, you got the one comment that I'm shaking my head about out of me, out of this show here. You're not getting another. Uh, it, it, this is a wild episode because there's a lot of like, there's a big dichotomy here of there's stuff like, 
Nate brought up like the big thing that I loved about this episode, and there was stuff that I just was not here for, and I zoned out on, to be quite honest. But let me tell you about something in a, in a match that was perfect. Let me tell you about the most compelling uh, upcoming turn happening in this promotion. Let's talk about John Moxley versus 10. Let's talk about a man who is sleep deprived. All he wants to do is beat the crap out of everyone so he can get home safe to his daughter, just destroying Preston Vance. After Preston Vance has had a week where he has like looked like a monster, uh, the match against QT Marshall on Elevation, where the first strike he gave him a giant mouse, like 10 was looking like a big star coming in here. And then John Moxley just destroyed him, ripped the mask had him bleed profusely, did a paradigm shift, and we were in and out in like four minutes. And it was excellent. It was like the kind of stuff that I like seeing in a tournament that I feel like that people, that the, there, there's a heavy favorite in this tournament in Brian Danielson, but the fact that like John Moxley on the other side of that bracket is doing this as well, kind of like fleshes out what I expect to be the final match in a way that like now there's like two guys who are really building the momentum here in this tournament that, these were the two guys that I feel like we expected anyways, but it's nice to see this from Moxley and, you know, John Moxley over the last month, kind of losing it over lack of sleep and everyone coming into his house that he built and claiming it as their own is one of the more compelling things in AEW right now. Yeah, this was a good squash. There was um, two squashes on this show. That's like pretty amazing, right? I don't know the last time we had a TV episode with two squashes. I mean, Maybe the 10 match wasn't a squash. He did get a little offensive uh, and, you know, he's presented as a guy to watch the future. He was ranked number five. Um, you like to see your, your very top guy really demolish a, a, you know, upper mid card guy like, like Vance ostensibly is with a number five ranking. Um, but yeah, I was, I was very happy to see two quick matches on the show because all the other matches were 22 minutes. So having MJF and John Moxley just kill a couple guys was like, oh, thank you. This is what I want. You're telling me you can have matches between top guys against not top guys and they don't have to be 80 fucking minutes? Is that a possibility? It, you know, it, it, it seems to be that way. It may be that it's either it has to be 22 minutes or it has to be less than four minutes. I think that might be what it is. It's impossible to have a match that's between, you know, four minutes and, and 11 minutes. I mean, the thing is, the other reason I've been trying to be more positive is I just think that's better to listen to. I, I think people probably enjoy that more. So I'm really fighting against just how upset and angry I am right now in this <laughs> moment, <laughs> how mad I am about um, this episode of wrestling. This match was great. I loved it. Um, other than the main event, it was it was the best match on the show, in my opinion. Uh, I just, the blood was good. Ripping the mask was good. Mox just walking out as soon as it was over was good. You know, all that was cool. It got me fired up for like, oh, what's he going to do to Orange Cassidy uh, next time? Like, that's exciting. So all this was good. Uh, yeah, I liked it a lot. And like, who fucking cares about 10 guy, you know, like, or not 10 guy, 10. This is not 10 guy. It's just 10. <laughs> uh, he can get killed. Like if there's a, a run for him later, there's plenty of time to do that and just have him get killed by Mox. So yeah, it was good. 
Okay, I think it's my turn. I didn't like very much on the show. I thought about not having a pick, but I want to talk about something I thought was funny, which was uh, Punk like just very clearly getting mad at Paul Turner at the end of the match with Bobby Fish. Uh, <laughs> yeah, do do we want to guess at what happened there? I have an idea. Uh, my, I want to hear everyone. Well, I want to hear Aaron's idea first. My theory is that that was not the finish of the match. I mean, Punk very clearly waited to go for the cover. Uh, so, you know, that told me that this was going to be a kick out and he was trying to sell that, you know, and not have his fucking finish buried. Uh, but Paul Turner, he like, well, sorry, it so quickly. It, it, it would have been buried if he kicked out for sure. <laughs> Oh, it, that was awful. That would have been that yeah. was a terrible yeah, I mean, idea. It was it was halfway buried here, and he won the match with it. Yeah, still but halfway then, a burial. But then, like Paul Turner was like looking at the uh, at the timekeeper or whatever, like pointing his finger, like yes, that's the finish, and would not look at fucking CM Punk. He was not going to look at him. Uh, so I don't know exactly what happened, but it was fun, and I hope CM Punk <laughs> yelled at people when he got back. <laughs> Hey, uh, you know, I wanted angry CM Punk that like third week when they went to Minneapolis or whatever, and he was cutting his I'm the face of the company promo and saying, hey, we got a great show for you guys. I was like, this doesn't work for me. I need this guy to be pissed off about something. So I'm looking forward to the big uh, uh, CM Punk versus Paul Turner feud. <laughs> I it was something that like the last like minute and a half of this match got weird and it was before this uh, GTS because there was like that one uh, near fall where Paul Turner was completely opposition, like dove over the guys to like start making the count. And like you could see a little bit like punk, like looking in that direction, too. So it just got like really like wet and wild. And, you know, we were all counting down until we would get angry punk and whomever had uh, October 27th wins the, the pool there because. That probably was a very interesting backstage conversation after that. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if like somebody was in Paul Turner's ear saying like, no, we got to fucking go home. Like it's, we've gone over time on this match or whatever, you know, but um, I don't know, but it was funny. I would have been pissed for the rest of the show. If Bobby Fish had kicked out of the GTS <laughs> after they wrestled for 19 minutes, I would have been the second GTS. The second GTS. Second GTS. I would have been beside myself. Well, I mean, and I, can we just be serious about this for a second? Like, what is the possible highest use of Bobby Fish? Like, yes, I don't like him. I think he's bad, and I think he's like a bad person. So I have no interest in him. But let's take all that aside. What is possibly gained by him going 50-50, 20 minutes with CM Punk? Like, this guy can't be your champion. He can't even be the TNT champion. I mean, he's he's nothing. He's just like a dude. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was funny. I don't know if this was on the broadcast or just on Fight, but... JR called out, oh, he's, you know, been IWGP junior tag team champion. And then there was a long pause where, you know, Shivani and Excalibur was like, wow, JR looked up a New Japan title reign. Uh, and then Excalibur was like, yeah, he hasn't won any singles titles anywhere yet. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and like, that's the thing I would think for 
the vast majority of like the people who followed Bobby Fish is that they're waiting for Kyle O'Reilly to show up with him. So it's like, all right, what's his role? Like Aaron, I was just saying, like, what's his role? Is he someone that is a casino battle royal fodder? Someone you build up for like a TNT title match? Well, they did that in his first match here. <laughs> so ever since then, it's been uh, deciding to beat up the retrosexual, which made CM Punk mad because CM Punk's the only person who watches the programming other than Matt Hardy. And you you just kind of go like, all right, uh, I we're speed running the fi- the fixation on the new toy. Is he going to be just living in Orlando and doing matches on elevation tapings real soon? And I just can't tell because it seems like that they that they had him uh, take two GTSs and they had him like do significant like leg work and go fifty fifty with Punk. And it's just like, are you like the only person who has seen Bobby Fish as this? For like the last 20 years because that's what it feels like i mean uh, the only thing i could possibly make sense out of it is what you said mike that kyle o'reilly is actually coming soon and they just want you to know this guy's a big deal because we're going to have this big tag team soon but that can't be happening right and I'll, this doesn't help the tag team by <laughs> having this guy wrestle and lose a bunch of singles matches I mean, you know, they can do the, hey, hey, punk, make him look strong thing and have him go for 20 minutes and have him kick out of all this shit uh, and, you know, have him, you know, reverse three near finishes at the end of the match or whatever. Um, that doesn't, you know, <laughs> Kyle Rally shows up. I'm still going to go, okay, great. Let's get the Kyle Rally singles run now. It's not going to make me want to, ooh, let's see that guy who lost all those long matches. Let's see him in a tag match. <laughs> it's like, also this fucking Tony Nese thing is like the hottest free agent in the business. Where can you lead with that? That's <laughs> like, he's I'm the hottest mad. free agent, Aaron, and he's doing his big <laughs> debut on Dark. Also, well, okay, let me make my first point, which is like, the hottest free agent thing is dumb because you you can't deliver on anything with this guy the same way you can't deliver with bobby fish but also to continue doing that on the same day that the entire ring of honor uh roster became free agents <laughs> <laughs> like drop the ankle tony fucking yeah. uh, <laughs> i don't even Bandito's know around yeah these guys are free agents, literally though. free agents <laughs> right so it's over bro just like let let tony it, nice go back to fucking i don't know look <laughs> and well, actually i barely believe here I, I, Aaron, I actually know what to do with Tony Nese, what they have to do. Oh, hold on, because and... I, I want to make one joke, and then okay. I will let you make an actual oh, point. Oh, oh, no, it's a joke, too, but your joke's probably funnier. Go oh, right these, ahead. These are so going to be so funny now that we've built up these two jokes. <laughs> I'm so ready. Everybody get your notebooks out. Here come Aaron and Mike's jokes of the week. You can't claim that Tony Nese is the hottest free agent in the business on the same day that Buku Dow gets released. You can't do it. That was my okay, you, you did you did reference the guy I find funny. That worked. <laughs> I, it's a shame that they. I guess now mine's not a joke because Aaron's actually was legitimately funny. Now it's mine's a point. So Aaron, so I apologize. Just, uh, just pretend you mean it, Mike. That's that's how you turn this around. Okay, they should just speed run Tony Nice, get him with his former New York Wrestling Connection guys. And it's a shame that they aren't adding any new members in the dark work. Just fucking pop a mask on the guy and have him go hang out with john silver that's how you get him over that's a good just that actually that. is a good point yeah that, that would generally be the uh better use of him than 
Hottest free hey, agent. Here's Tony Tony Nice, who <laughs> has never once excited anyone by being on a card or you know announced for a promotion in Nate. the history of his career. You know, an entirely competent wrestler, great look, has some pretty cool offense, but has never stirred anyone's soul in the entire time he's been alive on the planet. Nate, we might be dealing with Sapolsky shadow booking, really, because they are basically running back like the creation of the premier athlete brand right now. All we need is Mr. A to show up and like miss a top rope splash and Tony needs to grab a microphone and just talk like Buckley from King of the Hill. Like like we're we're speed running this. Caleb Conley might be coming in soon. With a C or with a with a K? I think he would have to go back <laughs> to the C for this. Sadly, he's no longer be the influencer. I actually I figured out why they're building up Bobby Fish so much. Tony Khan is going to deliver on having his racist ass killed by the situation. The situation versus the round eye samurai. It's fucking going down, folks. Nobody's I into that. I don't know. I understand. This is uh, the guy I, I, from I, Jersey Shore. Buku Dao is the no. situation. Oh, the you have to you have to enunciate the asian part of it you have to lean the on situation. that situation you just said the situation which is yeah i mean that'd be fine yeah, too be- i guess I fuck. <laughs> if they could bring in snooki to beat bobby fish that would probably well, be huge didn't, didn't jay wow's boyfriend or Hus- husband wrestle in aew already yeah yeah uh What's his name? Yeah, he showed up. At, he showed up. At he might have been on a place. dynamite. I think he was on a dynamite no, once. I think he was just like showed up and did a dark taping, okay. and like they had cameras around him for that. And because uh, Jay Wells and with Culture City, I think like that's why it happened. Oh wow! What would the reaction have been in uh, twenty seventeen NXT if they did a big takeover and the person they showed sitting at ringside was Tony Nese? <laughs> <laughs> just just no reaction none yeah for, no one would have known who he was but the people that do know did know who he was would be like oh okay this guy's coming in uh yeah, it's like okay. they really ran out of other people huh yeah uh, just like who cares about fucking <laughs> tony niece how could you care i think uh thoro said it that you know just all the ring of honor people Mostly because the whole, you know, top half of their roster is great luchadors. All of them are miles more interesting than anyone from NXT could possibly be as yeah. a, a a person to think about in another promotion. Um, but, you know, there's how much time could possibly be spared to go around when you have to give Bobby Fish two matches a week on television. Anyway. All right. We, the- we could. We could be preparing for demonic Flamita, but we can't be having that conversation yet, apparently. The the bad news is I, the listener elite I picked, Mike already did, and I just don't have it in me to, to find another one. So he, he, I, I, I can audible. Look, can we pull up one right now? I know, but I haven't. This guy is a or this person is a new no. patron. And I always oh. uh, I always point. It's a lock that I'm going to let the new patron have their pick. So regardless, Cowboy Bean, you're getting the shout out. Mox Killing 10 was that person's elite pick. They were fucking right. That was one of the best parts of the show, without a doubt. So uh, a lock that if you go to join the Discord and the Patreon, uh, I will pick your elite. But do you know what a lock is in sports betting? <laughs> a lock is simply put a bet you can't lose. 
And with my bookie, you can't lose on their NBA lock, 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 lock of the season. Place a bet on either team to score between the Dallas Mavericks and the Denver Nuggets. And when the first bucket hits, you win. Uh, truth of the matter is, folks, no NBA game has ever gone scoreless. So you know this is a lock. It doesn't get any easier with superstars like Jokic. No, Jokic will not be there. And Doncic, he will be there. Going head-to-head this Friday night, it won't take more than a minute of game time before your bet catches. Now, that would be a fun bet, whether someone will score within the first minute of the game. Someone should do that. Uh, That's not all. You get paid Friday. You wake up Saturday. You throw down on UFC 267. On Saturday night, my bookie's giving all users a $100 risk-free wager on the light heavyweight championship main event fight. So here's what you got to do. You head to mybookie.com. Is it mybookie.com now? I thought it was mybookie.ag. I think it's mybookie.ag. Maybe they got mybookie.com. Good for them. Good for them. Good for them. Uh, But that's what they put in the ad copy. So I'm going to say it, mybookie.com and use the promo code. Yes, they have mybookie.com. Yes. Well, good for them. Use the promo code ELITE and MyBookie will instantly double your first deposit. That's promo code ELITE so you can double your funds to double your winnings. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. I was uh, speaking of sport NBA betting and the Mavericks. Uh, I was listening today to a podcast with uh, our old pal, Bob Vulgaris. You guys know Bob Vulgaris? Haralabob? Haralabob. I... I felt so when Haralabob went deep into like Bitcoin and shit, I just had to stop following him because he's like annoying anyway, but he's smart. So that became too annoying. And I just missed the part where he was like basically running the Mavericks, I guess, for a couple of years. I missed that completely. So uh, it was exciting to listen to him talk about. Did he lose that Mavericks gig? Uh, I yes. think, <laughs> yeah, that the Mavericks whole thing, like Rick Carlisle, like he was the reason why Rick Carlisle quit and then like Donnie Nelson beforehand. And now that's why Jason Kidd's there. It turns and out he's no longer part of the organization now, too. Yeah, it turns out there was a big athletic article that came out that basically said Luka Doncic hated Har- Haralabob and uh, just a bunch <laughs> of other, and just like dumped all over him. And it was untenable, I think, after that. Has uh, definitely absolutely seems like a guy who would go hard into crypto because uh, he seems like, you know, one of the guys who would be on the cutting edge of something strictly because he knows that he'd be able to, you know, grift or scam from the marks by being ahead of everybody else on it. That's was pretty much his NBA betting career. Right. Uh, but we'll always like the guy because of uh, just the way he would kill Bill Simmons on his own podcast in like, you know, funny, passive aggressive ways or by like not respecting Simmons point. Uh, always enjoyed that. It's a funny podcast because the most of it is like him talking about how he is very bad at like talking to people or like having like interpersonal relationships. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he's like, eh, yeah, maybe a lot of this was my fault, but still he's basically like, I'm an asshole, but I'm right is essentially his entire, uh, his entire thing. But yeah, it was fun. Uh, Haralabob. That should we should make that our promo code for my bookie. Haralabob. All right, let's run down the rest of the show. Oh no, we haven't done D leagues uh, yet, have we? All right. No. Um, I'll go. Hey, hey, Nate. Yeah. What what thing on the show did you think was the worst thing? Well, we already spent ten minutes on Bobby Fish. Um, so 
I'll pick something short. Uh, FTR and Tully Blanchard did a backstage promo where they accepted the challenge from the Lucha Brothers because the Lucha Brothers are going to put the belts up for no reason of just volunteering to put the belts up, uh, not apparently getting the AAA title belts on the line in exchange, whatever. Uh, Tully Blanchard, who, you know, is in his shindy, shiny jacket or whatever, says everyone in this society knows what a reset means. And these guys are going to hit the reset button. Which I don't, maybe I'm, I'm too far adrift from society at this point, uh, but I do not know what, how a reset is fraught with meaning to the point that Tony Blanchard thinks it's some kind of intense or cool or threatening line that these guys are going to hit the reset button. Uh, he's too old. He sucks. He's never been good. I know people like him. Uh, he's never contributed anything to this act or this promotion. Uh, you know, if you really need to have somebody talk for FTR, uh, you know, MJF could do it. I don't know. But, uh, you know, it just, there's nothing there. The end. It just was like such a random, like, non where like everyone knows this. Okay, no, we don't <laughs> yeah, you said know it like it was yeah. cancel culture is like the right. way that you referred to it. <laughs> it's just, it's like an insane thing that, that it's a just like, word. yeah, like reset, like we play video games, like we're used to like hitting reset on like the N64 or SNES, like just wild. And it's, and it's something that like right after this with the Lucha Brothers where like, I thought that it probably was like the best part of them as a three person act of Alex Abrahante is like right before this. And you had totally Blanchard just talking about resets while Alex Abrahante was out there with crazy eye makeup translating and acting angry, which actually is really funny to me. And I was enjoying okay, I that. I don't accept, I don't accept you uh, hijacking my delete to put over <laughs> Alex Abrahante's of all people, Mike. I just, He's still I, good. He did his, his gloves are not bright red anymore. Yeah, uh, but he still has a goofy. It I don't know. He's he's Countenance. trying to look like tough. He's trying to look like combat mode. Abrahantes now, but it, but so it's just like, like weirdly sized. I mean, what's yeah, going well, on? Yeah, and with he has guy. the deepest V. He's got a jacket over the deepest V <laughs> fucking shirt you'll ever see in your life. Looks fucking insane. Got the weird eye makeup. Apparently, he's been affected by Malachi Black. Uh, and also, you know, Phoenix speaking in perfect English right before he talked. He's totally unnecessary. Phoenix can translate for his brother. So delete him too while I'm at it. <laughs> you see, that was bait, Nate, and you took it because I wanted to get you on both sides of this fired up. Thank you. I also want to talk about the SNES reset button. Yeah, let's um, go. Just it it just is kind of novel because it wasn't even a button. It was like a little slide that you'd push up. Yeah. Yeah. It was like a you know, you don't see you don't see slides anymore for uh for mechanical devices on video game consoles. That's all. Fair that, enough. That makes me think it was, I guess it was yesterday people were talking about that it was the anniversary of WCW NWO Revenge. And, you know, the, the, they had the cover, which had Hogan, Nash, Raven, and Goldberg. And I was, this is what we were talking about earlier. This is what's making me think of that. It was like, when I was that age, like Nash and Goldberg were two of my very favorite wrestlers like i just thought they were the coolest motherfuckers that lived at the time and then i definitely went through a period where i was like oh man why the why did i think those guys were cool you know they they couldn't do any moves whatsoever <laughs> and uh and this it was just a good reminder when i saw that i was like no 
Kevin Nash and Bill Goldberg fucking rocked. They were great at pro wrestling. That's all. Yeah, I mean, if you're if you're Kevin Nash, cool, then everything else is secondary. FTR hair said tag team championship in this uh, in this promo. Tag Did team. FTR hair remind you a little bit of Patrick Cosmos here? <laughs> oh God, I'm not commenting on that. <laughs> this seems complimentary. This seems fraught. I don't know. I got a little, he, but when he turned his head, I was like, huh, reminds me of Patrick Cosmos. <laughs> I'm staying out of this one. Uh, Mike, what, what do you want to delete, bud? This TNT title match was a real Wrestle Circus ass match, wasn't it? Just like going on for a long time, like having like a crazy brawl. But I was like, all right, we're going to get like a blood feud out of this because the day before on uh, an AEW canon, Ethan Page. Busted open Sammy Guevara's nose, and Sammy's not going to take it. Sammy came out with bright red tights, you know, popping off the screen, a lot like how Vince McMahon wanted everyone wearing red during the big HD transfer on, on WWE Raw. And then the match just went to, like, a halt, and it got weird and didn't have a very good, like, uh, closing stretch. And then we had Jericho come out doing rhymes, singing Aerosmith, the crowd being crazy behind it, and... It just was something that, like, this was a match that they added an unnecessary stake here that no one ever bought into. <laughs> like, no, like, like we've done the whole inner circle Sammy Guevara thing now. We know this act's not going to break up. Just pointless match, like, stipulation to have. Like, basically just, like, tipping your hand incredibly so that, like, you can't even, like, believe that there was going to be, like, a shock upset Ethan Page wins and this was going to be one of the shortest TNT title wins because... Then Sammy Guevara has to leave the inner circle, and that just makes no sense. So, just was like one of those things that, like, after like they've been able to get the crowd back into this, and they've toned down like the necessary parts of the ATT act. Like things are really awesome with this uh, storyline. I feel like on a week in week out basis, and then this match kind of was just like a big step back to me. And then like the the the, the finish looked bad too. Like, it just was something that, like, this match made no sense from a stipulation point to begin with. Did really nothing to add to anything. And rarely it was saved by Jericho coming out, having his pyro and Judas play throughout as if he was the gangsters and was natural born killers. Like, that was, like, the high point of this segment for me. Yeah, you know, I, I like the match fine enough. Um, mostly because, you know, Sammy went out there and did his big spots. He pulled out... A great-looking shooting star press to the outside um, that, you know, couldn't have had better impact and be caught better by those guys. Um, so, you know, the, the match met my expectations. The problem is, you know, I gave Ethan Page amnesty, uh, and he's been uh, pretty entertaining in the two feuds that he's been in. But I'm not going to get fired up for him challenging for the TNT title. Especially when, as you said, they totally tipped their hand with this stupid tact on stipulation. Uh, I mean, you know, nobody would have bought that Ethan Page is winning in the first place. But the idea that Sammy Guevara was going to leave the inner circle if he lost, I don't think they even mentioned it until probably eight minutes into the match. It seems like even the announce team had forgotten about it until they were halfway into the match. And, and Tony Khan with their headsets going, don't forget. Um, and... It, it's something they've done a couple times previously. Remember when Dustin Rhodes put his career on the line in the TNT title tournament in the first yeah, round? Yeah, that first round match for no reason. <laughs> like, yeah, with like two days notice on Twitter, he's like, hey, uh, if I lose this, I'm retiring. 
Like nobody's fucking buying it, man. You're, you're cheapening the stipulation. If you ever actually want to build it for a real stipulation in the future, it's also like the, the inner circle only just quote unquote reunited. They basically were like defunct and not doing anything together for a few months. And only for this angle, have they reunite, reunited in any meaningful way. And now it's like, Oh no, Sammy's going to have to leave the group that he's not even really that involved in. He wants to hang out with Fuego more often. Who fucking cares? So yeah, that just told you the result of the match. Um, so if you, you know, are somebody who's really into going to see great matches, then, well, I, I don't know if this was great. It had a great spot in it, but yeah, absolutely nothing that's going to, uh, you know, fire me up or, or pique my interest on this show. And it's not like it's the fucking four horsemen or something. It's like, who, uh, what like great fucking connection do we have to Sammy Guevara and the inner circle? I mean, literally who cares if he leaves the inner circle? Who? The, Pam? Yeah, I mean, Does Pam care? They did, you know, they peaked the inner circle well with the stadium stampede match, right? That felt like kind of the crowning moment of the inner circle. Um, and then after that, it's like, well, we all kind of are going to hang out with our own guys, uh, proud and powerful, hung out with Conan for like two weeks. Sammy's off with Fuego. Um, and then, you know, the, the time is just kind of passed. It's like, they can still be buddies or whatever, but nobody's going to cry if the inner circle is not on TV every week anymore. Hmm. Also, I have no memory, but I love making big pronouncements. So I just want to say the finish of this match was the worst fucking finish I've ever seen in a pro wrestling match in my entire life. Remind me what the finish was. Okay. They're up top and Ego's going to do the Ego's edge. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sammy reverses it and does a Rana and, or a Frankenstein. I guess not really a Frankensteiner because he's not sitting up there, but whatever the fuck. I don't want yeah. email Jay yelling at me about how Frankensteiners work. But anyway, he does the big Rana off the top. Then they immediately have him get right back up and they have to do a flash pin finish instead. <laughs> it's like, you just took this huge fucking yeah. spot. And then he gets immediately up after the pinfall for the post-match ankle. Insane. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, when the ego's edge happened, he didn't have him tight on his, on his neck with the, with his legs. Right. His legs were like out here on his shoulders. Like, yeah, I guess he technically, that's what you do for Rana. Uh, but it was not super crisp or tight or anything. But yeah, I think that's just, you know, TK's mode is like, oh, well, we protect Ethan Page if we do a flash pin. So Ethan Page is, you know, we're pushing 1,500 guys concurrently. So we have to protect him, and we have to protect Bobby Fish. We have to protect everybody by having them all wrestle for 18 minutes. All right, I'm going to do the most unpopular thing on this episode. I'm deleting the Cody promo. I know everybody has suddenly decided that this version of Cody is good, but they're wrong. This sucks. This is the same bullshit he's done the whole thing, which is like, oh, let me uh, talk about like wrestling terms and shit in my promo to be cool. I don't want to fucking hear about you're deciding whether you're going to turn heel. That's dumb. This whole thing is dumb. The crowd hates him. He doesn't, he's not going to do anything interesting to play off of that or play into it or play against it. He's just... That, so when people say like, oh yeah, he's doing the Cena thing. Yeah, that sucked too. 
That was awful. He just kept saying the same shit and acting like it was good, but it was bad. But now, for some reason, and I don't understand this, and this is what really angers me, so people will keep doing it, is that why are people acting like this is good? Why? <laughs> why are you doing this to me? Because this is bad. It's bad. It's not interesting. The black clothes isn't interesting because he's not doing anything cool related to it. He was like, in between this, he's just kept saying these lines to try to get the crowd to cheer him, but they didn't care. And instead they cheered when he said like, my brother's better than me. And they're like, yeah. And I'm never going to be as good as my dad. Yeah. Ah! I hated this. It was awful. Uh, I thought it was funny. So I guess I liked it. Um, I guess that, that's kind of where I land with a lot of Cody promos where you just kind of marvel at him doing something nobody else does in wrestling and it's like taking these gargantuan swings at things in his promo where it's like, <laughs> what are we, what, what are we talking about? We're talking about fucking race relations in America and we're talking about, uh, you know, what it means to be good or bad. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I do. There was one point in this promo where he does this thing and says, come on guys, I grew up in front of you or whatever. I do think he's, he, I think he's a good actor in that he does sound like genuine and human saying these things, even when they're like really fundamentally phony. And I think, you know, he's probably, <laughs> he's a pro wrestler. So he is fundamentally phony also. But he does sound human when he says that. But he's just like, come on, guys. You know, I grew up in front of you. I debuted when I was 20. And, like, the truth of what he's saying there is, please like me. <laughs> and that was very funny. He's saying, please, please like me. You know, I'm, I'm human, and I, this is the hand I was dealt in life. And I'm just out here doing my best, even though I, I can't be my brother and I can't be my dad. But, you know, I was, I was here at the beginning of this promotion. I was, you know, left WWE. I, I set in motion this promotion happening the core message of this promo is please like me and that's uh almost ballsy in a way to be <laughs> to say the, that the only interesting thing he did in this promo was that part where he was like everybody knows who writes the checks but you can't forget who built the bank like that is yeah. compelling and if he would do that as this character that would be interesting to me but that's not what he's doing he is Cody is Obama. He's trying to be Obama. And the crowd, the old crowd, is me in 2008, excited for <laughs> Obama. And the crowd now is me in 2012, realizing he actually sucks. I mean, it's it's just bad. Yeah. The, the other thing you said that there's not going to be like a, a payoff to this, or like he's going to do something interesting in a story, or it's going to come uh, come to a head in some meaningful way that all of this these giant ideas and, and big swings and subtext and, and, and all the, the stuff he puts in his promos. I think that's the real problem, which is that we've been through the Cody story so many times now where he goes from one thing to the next thing, to the next thing, to the next thing. Uh, and just kind of forgets about the last feud. He forgets about MJF forgets about the, the, the factory turning on him just doesn't matter to him anymore. That's, that's what we're going to get with this too, is it's going to be, Okay, you know this feud's done. Cody's on the next yeah. thing. He's going to be gone for a couple of weeks. He's going to he's going to cut two insane promos, um, and then do a bloodbath. And yeah, is it you know he's he's playing. He wants to play his his songs his way. 
and he's just going to play the same notes over and over again. And I guess like the thing that gets me about this, and one of the reasons why I, it's not that Aaron, I think you're wrong saying this is bad. This was like one of those things that it's completely scattered. It's not really focused. It's not responding to the crowd. It's just bizarre. And I find that fascinating because I think Cody is probably the most self-aware wrestler. Like, I mean, like he's not saying those comments about my brother's better than me. I'll never have the culture cultural impact of my dad i'm not going back on my word he he's someone that in saying that he's trying to endear himself and trying to be like all right guys like like i get it i'm not like this that i i don't think i am like this like hero or anything like this by him the guy who built the bank and i find that kind of fascinating but it's something where like they really it i they can't just like do another like straight up okay Cody gets the crap beat out of him by Andrade for three weeks. They have one match. Andrade wins that match. Cody has to go and they do another like build up for him to get his win back because that's like they've now done that five times. It feels like in a way like it. Brother, because you have- I've got some bad news. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. I mean, like that's what happened. And like this is the wild thing of. Now we have Pac involved in this, and Pac is someone legitimately over playing a bad person, oh, like man. straight up just like doing this. And, and, and like Pac got crazy over dropping, doing double birds on national TV, just being a, <laughs> just being a king. And, it, and I, like I'm watching this, I'm like, hell yeah, Pac. I'm like, oh. And then I take the step back, Aaron. And it, you know the thought crossed my mind. It's like, all right, I see what's happened. You had me for a second, Cody. You had me for a second there. And it's just like I I would love like a storyline of Cody where he just gets his ass kicked and we move on, but it's never that yeah. way. I think I said on the last show that maybe it was just going to be a Malachi Black thing where he was you know the crowd didn't like it because they love Malachi Black, but no, they're just they're just over Cody right now. What yeah. I'm sure this well, was <laughs> I'm sure this was already planned, but it's it is funny to me that the only time he got cheered was when he saved Pac, and now suddenly he's, like, teaming with Pac, or they're on the same side or whatever. It's like, oh, congrats, Cody. Good for you, bud. Being teamed with someone who's actually over. Yeah, yeah, Pac should be like, I see what's going on here, and I'm kicking your ass afterwards, you know? I'm out here because I want to beat the shit out of Andrade and his his friend that's been doing this for a while. Like, Pac should, like, not buy into this. Like, Pac as a character should be smart enough to recognize what's going on. Yeah, and just in terms of, you know, people say, oh, this is, you know, Cody's playing the long game. He knows what he's doing. He's he's doing such a smart comment on John Cena, and it, it's all going to be subverting being a heel and face or whatever in wrestling. I, I'm pretty sure the intent of this is not to babyface Andrade, which, <laughs> you know, they basically did here by having him come out and make fun of his neck tattoo. Like, that got huge reaction. So... I kind of just don't accept that premise. Like Andrade and Malachi are the heels here. And you put Cody with Pac because Pac is a, you know, a unequivocal baby face. There's nobody that's out there booing Pac at this point in time coming off that Andrade feud. So, uh, yeah. And like, show me the thing that Cody did where he accomplished some big, you know, interesting comment on wrestling throughout this run i'm not saying there hasn't been stuff he's done that was good there has been but it's just like normal classic pro wrestling that he's been good at 
Yeah. I, I, the, the giant swings in his promos are most of my amusement and attraction in, in this act here. So I don't want him to get away from that. And I don't know. I, I, the one, I will take issue with the one thing, which, um, you know, I think he got it. Well, I don't want to say that either. <laughs> He's still getting big reactions. So the John Cena thing. He's getting big reactions one way or another. Yes, but I mean, I mean, we can. I think people were behind. We could do know, an some hour. of his baby face ideas too. So that's what was always gonna. We could do an hour on this, I'm sure. Uh, but I just fundamentally don't think that's the reaction he wants. And if you don't get the reaction oh, you want, no. it's bad. That's just my. That's it, my view. It's yeah. well, I'm not saying it, it's not necessarily bad, but it's unsuccessful. It's a failure if you're not getting the reaction you're trying to get. I mean, uh, well, it, I guess it depends on how you're framing. Is it a is it a failure to get the reaction you want? Yes. Is it a failure to build interest in a a character or a match? Not necessary. Yeah, I guess it depends uh, where it goes. But like the the turn is not. I mean, okay, this certainly was true with John Cena, but I think John Cena is a much different idea person character than fucking cody i don't think people care about cody on that level at this point because of all the things we talked about when the crowd first booed cody so i don't think this goes from cheering to booing and it stays at this level i think this goes from cheering to booing to nothing i think is the is the next step in this unless the the thing is some a lot of times Mm. in wrestling you get reactions you didn't plan for and you have to lean into those and play with them and and make it work for you. But Cody is telling us that he doesn't have any interest in doing that. (laughs) He doesn't want to do that. So it's not going to happen. Yeah, no, I I, I don't think it goes to nothing. Worst case scenario, it just becomes he's hugely booed. (laughs) I don't know. I just think people are going to get tired of it because like it depends who they're putting up against for sure. Because that's funny. You say, well, Andrade and Malachi Black are the heels, which is true. But Malachi Black is over as a babyface, even if he's a heel. So it's, uh, it's frustrating to me. Uh, my second delete, not playing It's All About the Boom. Fuck you. Everyone who was involved in that. I'm mad at you. Listener delete. Our friend Swarles. Swarles, you almost lost on this because... Uh, I hate all the deep heads out there, so I almost didn't pick this. But you make a good point. Please do something with CM Punk. He's just having boring opening matches, doing rah-rah promos. He needs a feud, an angle, something. Uh, yeah, there you go. Swirls. I Paul think, Turner. Yeah, Punk versus Paul Turner, I think, is is money. <laughs> Punk needs a full gear match, and that's it for sure. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy Slab Packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous 
brown bag of cards and yeah you can open it and look it's gonna be junk you're you, you know what i mean like you know what you're probably gonna get in those maybe you find that fun and sometimes i do sometimes i like just opening up cards and saying oh, hey look at some random cards or whatever but if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs and it ends up being you know almost nothing you know nothing of value not with arena club you can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading, so you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off. Off again, that's arena club.com slash VOW net, arena club.com slash VOW net for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. All right, uh, we've done Punk versus Bobby Fish, we've talked about that. Punk one with the GTS, uh, Malachi Black pre tape. He said, Cody, I made you. I made your own family lose faith in you, force you to take measures you've never taken before. This wasn't about pinfalls. The house always wins. I hate people fucking saying that a wrestling feud was not about who won. I despise that. Amen. Do something else. If you don't care about winning, then do a, I don't know, don a different sport. But community something theater. else. Do community theater, which I guess is Malachi Black's true, uh, true passion. Or just say... Yeah, I lost, but look at what happened here. We'll see how things are for you down the road. Like, you can acknowledge this without saying this was not about pinfalls. I lost the battle, but I'm going to win the war. Right, right. Right. Yeah, that's fine. Anyway, I just didn't like that. Uh, MJF versus Bryce Donovan, anyone with the Heat Seeker. He had a a post-match promo about Boston being bad. He... uh, said, now the Darby's out of his hair, he can go after the world title and reminded everyone that he beat Adam Page for the Dynamite Diamond Ring. So setting a little, reminding us a little bit and uh, setting something for the future, which I thought was fun. Uh, Sting's music plays, but that was a joke. Then the lights go out. We see Darby at a JPEG Mafia show and he drop kicks a guy in an MJF mask. And then the screen says, now it's time to break you physically. Lights up. We got Sting in the ring with a bat. Everybody runs. Darby's in the crowd. He attacks. He gets Spears and Wardlow. He's got a skateboard deck with thumbtacks on it. They start playing his music. He says, cut my music. Max, full gear. And then they turn the music back on. Good angle. Liked it. You know, cute video. Good uh, Invisible Man outfit by Darby. Yeah. 
They should just they should have done the Darby mask. That's the only only way I could improve upon this segment. Do the do the sting mask you mean on Darby? No, it's Darby wearing a Darby mask and he takes oh. it off, but it's still his face paint underneath it. I see. Yeah, the same idea, but he did different. after he took off the the face wrap and it was just in the trench coat. It did look a little goofy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Britt Baker is backstage with Tony. Uh, apparently she walked out on a match with Abaddon on the Jericho's. So now Abaddon is getting a no DQ match Friday. And if Abaddon wins, she gets a title shot. They're calling this a trick or treat match, Nate. Why didn't they do a Chucky's choice match? They seem to have the exact same rules. Hideki Suzuki with Chucky is just like (laughs) the most insane thing that I think has ever happened. I'll, I'll think about it for the rest of my life. Super bizarre. There was also uh, Kushida and Jira with Chucky. And that just, I feel bad whenever I see Kushida in that company. Yeah. I just, yeah. Think about him with the, the health insurance thing or whatever. It's, it's sad. Oh my God. Yeah. Uh, the TNT title match, which we discussed. Um, that means there's going to be the five versus five at full gear. It's going to be a street fight. Next week, we're going to learn which American, or I'm sorry, as Jericho says, America's top team members will be in the match. (laughs) Uh, Tony, man, they just, Tony, here's the thing. He can be the backstage interviewer. Why why do they make him do commentary on every match plus all these backstage segments? I don't know. They have fucking 30 30 people people under contract they could do, (laughs) that could do backstage interviews. Like, aren't... Oh, I don't know. I guess they're not taping dark and stuff always on the live shows. So maybe I don't know. Um, the, should know Tony Nice was shown during that American Top Team segment with the Inner Circle, right? No, that's not right. He was on the. He was on the. No, he, yeah, he, the he was. Page and, the Ethan Page and Sammy Guevara matches where they were shown on Tony Nice. They showed him on this yeah. too because he was like oh, mumbling. Did they? thing when they showed him and i thought the bit was going to be that he was singing judas but right no he was saying something yeah so i is the premier athlete brand setting up for a merger with att is that the is that where he gets comes in is he's a he's a top athlete so he should be with dan lambert it just seems man. like that, that that's yeah. what, you know he was shown there for a specific reason does he have a did he uh get a um Fuck. A black belt when he was 16. Yeah, but yeah. I was trying to say something I funny feel like, about that. Like, I don't know. That's fine. You, you don't have to be funny, Aaron. You can just be. I'm not really particularly <laughs> funny. So um, I try to be sometimes. But JR put over twice. Once was during the ad break that Ethan Page got his black belts, both of his black belts when he was 16, which to me is like makes the black belt less impressive. Like, there has to be a, a sliding scale where, like, it's easier to become a black belt at sixteen when you're at the at the dojo or whatever than it is when you're, you know, twenty seven and you're training with full adults or whatever. Yeah, we're calling you out, Ethan Page, is what Nate's saying. No, I'm calling Jr. out for the inadvertent burial because of his the of three his of us are true black belts. I mean, I did Taekwondo for one year, and the amount of belts you get within the one year, like, 
Nate's got a point here. Nate has a good commentary on the black belt factories that are throughout North American martial arts facilities. We got to stop belt inflation. That's for sure. I, I mean, right. belt inflation is like a legitimate like argument that it has gone on in martial arts before. What's uh? What was that? I watched that Jesse Eisenberg movie on the on the flight to Japan. What was that? Where he goes into a karate dojo? I oh. do not remember that. I, I mean, that, that sounds like a hot pitch, though. I mean, just, well, just what's sounds... the second act? What's the third act? Come on. <laughs> just saying, it's, it's, him, it's him, you know, getting into martial arts as a way to improve his self-esteem when he's in his uh, mid-20s or whatever. And it's clearly much more intense than the training that's going on for the kids at the same dojo. That's all I'm mm. saying. I, I've dated two black two martial arts black belts. Wow. Little, little A.B. lore. What does that say about you? I don't know. What do you think it says about me, Nate? The art of self-defense, Nate? You like a like a girl who can kick your ass? No, that can't be true because you didn't understand that women being mean to you was a thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that uh that took me by surprise. <laughs> However many years ago that was. <laughs> I was like, so oh, that, that's yeah, interesting. That can't be. <laughs> <laughs> i mean okay you have to go back and check wife. your lore archives for that do you all yeah. think my wife no, she could... would not be mean to you no no i mean i don't want to no. put our our you know bedroom life on the show too much but no that's not something that happens <laughs> <laughs> no she's a sweetie pie she's very sweet uh but yeah two two black belts in uh whatever yeah two <laughs> All right. <laughs> Tony is backstage with Danielson. Eddie Eddie says, you say I don't work hard, but I have depression. Checkmate. Brian says, yeah, that's the Eddie I want to see. I think that's a fair... This is fine. This is, this is a little bit Eddie. This is a little bit of Eddie trotting out the greatest hits. Yeah, I thought so too, but everybody was like going not, nuts for it. I was very surprised. And yeah, just not not as heartfelt or as intense as he's done in the past. Part of part of which the issue was they were standing side by side, so Eddie can't make eye contact with the camera, and you can't read his face, which is something he excels at. Instead, he's looking at Daniels, and you don't really see what's going on, so you can't feel it. Um, but yeah, it, it was fine. I'm just glad that they are talking about self care and self care being so important. You know. That was good. But no, you're absolutely right. Like this, this was like something like Daniel said, it's like, Oh, I got you talking about like your legitimate things. That means I'm, that's what I wanted. So it's like, okay, you wanted Eddie to be mad and, you know, having episodes that that's cool. Brian Danielson. Even the Danielson promo just felt like going through the motions. I mean, it was just like, Oh, I'm supposed to be like very worked up about this. So, it's just like, I feel like his in-ring promos, he's not the best promo in the world, but his in-ring promos, I feel like have been uh, pretty fun. And mm-hmm. this just felt like, and this could have been on WWE, this promo of his, not Eddie's, of course, but his. That that computes to me. He seems like a guy who, if he's doing a promo, should be in front of the crowd and be able to to feel the building. Um, if he's going to do like an interview or just talk, then you could do a backstage pre-tape, but. Yeah, I, I think that's probably right. He just—he was doing the "You are a parody of wrestling" voice, you know, like he hit that promo one time, and he's just kind of done that a lot since. Uh, Lucha Bros backstage with Tony—they challenge FTR for full gear. 
uh, the TBS title or not title match tournament match Hikaru Shida versus Serena Deeb. Uh, Shida won with a roll up. A lot of a lot of flash pin finishes on this show. After the match, Deeb attacked her, and uh, Shida has no friends. Nobody came to help her. We got some crystal was... hijinks. Yeah, this was well. I don't know. Yeah, I thought this was pretty good. That had the main event not been, uh, you know, had a big fantastic moment at the end of it this probably would have been my elite mostly because i really enjoyed hikaru shida in this match like she came out ready to be like hey i'm fucking getting back into it like i i'm tired of being on dark i'm tired of not being on television tired of fucking moving to the united states so i can not be on television and wrestle on a youtube show um and she has like new hair new makeup uh looks like she's in even better shape than she was got a fresh tan uh maybe that's was she on the boat she might have been on the boat uh but she came out and she was laying shit in her missile drop kicks looked great she seemed like she was intent to like show out in this match uh and that like got me in her corner i'm like okay yeah let's get this she's got a little storyline with deeb i'd like to see her get this win um and yeah well it was kind of a flash pen they kind of did a bunch of reversals into a flash pens but uh, they, you know, pulled out the stops like they they try to do in these women's matches and have like 13 false finishes at the end. And the crowd was with pretty much all of them. So got to call that a success. Uh, if I want to make a gripe about it, it's like as soon as it was over, I went, OK, well, the match is over. So here comes the post-match attack. And then, of course, it did because every fucking segment has an attack angle in it. Um, but, yeah, you know, they even, I think, did a little more to. Deeb did not do anything heelish for the first three quarters of the match. Uh, and then finally it was like, she took away Sheeta's chair so she couldn't do the jump off of it. And it's like, Oh, okay. She's actually doing like a heelish thing that will get her a negative reaction here by denying the crowd a, a big spot. It's like, Oh, okay. Yeah. She's actually working toward the intended, you know, goal of this match, which is to get Sheeta as a baby face and her as a heel moreover. Um, so yeah, I was, I was positive on it. I thought that the, uh, unlike the TNT title match where like that jackknife cradle just kind of felt like the banana peel, like as Nate said, like this like built up to it and then everything like it was all flush for the finish, which is the big thing whenever I feel like they need to have flash pin cla class love is it being like a flush one where it's like boom, 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 boom. This had the boom, 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 boom to it where it was like roll up reversal, roll up reversal. So it felt like it was building on it. It was all it, fine. It just it's, it's all about the boom. It's all about the boom. It's all about the boob. I mean, since we did not hear it tonight, Aaron, I wanted to make sure to say boom enough, you know, just give the Thank little you. dopamine hits, you know, just like little treats for you. Had to do Somebody could do a, uh, a sound edit of, of it's all about the boom, but where Mikey Ruckus says boom, cutting Mike going boom, boom, <laughs> boom, boom. That'd be great. Uh, also, she opened this match with the big uh, outside in suplex where she pulled D Ben while standing on the turnbuckle. That was sick. Yeah, yeah this was thought the I thought it was a fine match. I, I don't I don't know what, what it is about why people... I like going into this match, even though I was in a grumpy mood, I was like, you know what? I'm going to really just try to watch this and see if like... If maybe I'm wrong about Serena Deeb. And maybe I'll just like, I'm going to try to really like this match and see what happens. But I just think she's boring. I thought this was a good match. I just think there's a hard ceiling on how good a match that Serena Deeb is in can be. And I thought this was about as good as it could be. Well, I'll say so two things in Serena Deeb's defense. One, she was getting very good reactions, even though Pat Fit was like dueling chance, which is pr not really 
what they were going for probably um the, the one cool thing i noticed is in terms of like oh there's a little veteran savvy move you know the type of thing they say about technical wrestlers or whatever and why they're so good they did that spot where um Sheeta threw her to the outside and Deeb like took a bump on the apron and then instead of just like rolling off the apron she goes head first over the apron on the far side of the, the ring so it looked like she's taking like a much bigger bump than she actually did uh and that was cool I was like ah oh, smart little move there made that look intense and it was really just a little bump off the apron I do wonder about Sheeta you say that about like oh she's probably tired of being not on television and I think ah oh, she fucking worked Sendai girls for years I mean you know, she's working yeah. in front of 20 people every week anyway, so. You know. That came up in the Discord when Amy Sakura moved to the United States Yeah, uh, and has not been on TV one time since, and I don't expect to see her on TV yeah. maybe ever again. Um, and it's like, well, fuck, I wouldn't want to move from Tokyo to the America's wasteland of fucking Central Florida uh, so I can be on a YouTube show. That sounds terrible, but... <laughs> You know, not knowing her thoughts about it. I mean, I've seen her tweets about it, but those might just be in character. You know, on the other hand, it's like, well, she was working Gato Move and Choco Pro, and which was in front of literally 12 people or zero people. Um, so literally every dark show that she's done has been, you know, 10 times that or 100 times that or whatever. So maybe that's just like an unequivocal upgrade for her that it's like, hey, I'm, you know, wrestling in fucking the United Center now. And that's just way cooler for her. I don't know, but I don't, you know, Riho moved to the United States and has not been on fucking television one time. She, uh, Emmy also, maybe Sheeta too. Well, definitely Sheeta. They're probably just making more money also than they did in Japan. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, there's yeah. something to be said for that also. Yeah. They're uh, not making the big, the big stardom, uh, autographs and photo books checky. money. Right. So, yeah. I mean, Riho, though, I mean, I think she's been in Japan more than she's been in America since she signed AEW. At least since uh, dropping the women's title. Like, she's never been in the States longer than, like, a month since dropping the women's title. Well, it's wild. They said she moved here. Like, I know. Right? <laughs> right? Double, double or nothing time when they did double or nothing Daily's Place? Or, like, she's yeah. moving to the U.S. It's going to be her base of operations. Then she had a negative vaccine reaction was the report. I think she's wrestled the one TJPW show since then, as far as I know. So yeah, it's not like she's over there Princess. doing a bunch of dates. She did yeah. a Wrestle Princess, and then she was fucking it dark in the fucking impact zone. <laughs> so yeah. I don't I don't Oh, I don't that know. was that was the thing that actually irritated me about this match, now that I think about it. You get one women's match a week, and every fucking one of them they're not that long this one was reasonably long but they always get a commercial right in the middle of them you don't get to see half of the goddamn match it's like it is bad for me as a person to continue caring about this women's division it's bad i have to just stop i have to just not care about it anymore i wish i don't wish this because a lot of people are work there or whatever i wish they'd get rid of it because it, that would be less stressful for me personally if it just didn't exist. That's all. All right. Totally know what you mean. Uh, Leo and Dante are backstage with Tony. We find out that uh, the yoga monster has been injured. I mean, uh, doesn't speak very highly of yoga, does it? If this guy could still get injured, even though he does yoga all the time. <laughs> oh, no tag. Now it's just Dante versus Matt Seidel again. I thought Leo cut 
a good promo building this up there, like shifting to it. And it's, I mean, I'm not going to complain about another Matt Seidel versus uh, Dante Martin match. I mean, that's a win. I forget who said this in our Discord, but it's like, maybe it was Patrick. It was like, imagine having Bobby Fish wrestle every week and having Leo Rush cutting promos about investments. <laughs> I mean, obviously, Leo Rush should both be cutting promos about investments and wrestling. <laughs> sure. But yeah, sure. I, I, get, I get the point for sure. Maybe at the same time. But then they did a. You didn't see this. Oh, if you get a, if you get one of those yes. fucking Britney Spears mics on Leo, and he talks about <laughs> investments while wrestling, talking about leveraged buyouts while going for his, his the bin men in the hour. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I, I, you're you're doing great, Mike. But you didn't see this, Nate. But they also then did a commercial like very soon after this where they promoted the tag match between the Seidel brothers and Dante oh, for Leo. Rampage? Yeah. So that was That's good. funny. Uh, Mox versus 10 was next. Mox won with the Paradigm Shift. FTR want the tag team titles, so they accept. Cody promo. Uh, the the match at the end. So, I mean, that was, that was all the matches, I think. Oh, yeah. I already said I was mad about it. It's all about the boom. So that was all the matches. That was the show. Uh, if you like our show, and how could you not have enjoyed this episode? I mean, we we're just teeming with excitement. Uh, head on over to patreon.com slash everything elite and sign up. It is, uh, we're coming up on a big month, of course, because full gear is next month. So we'll have lots of full gear related content over there. We also every week have shows uh, previewing Dynamite, breaking down Dark, looking at BTE, reviewing Rampage. We do it all over on the Patreon. And we also have bonus shows from time to time when we feel like it. So there'll be more of those, I assure you. We also have a Discord. That's good. Yeah, patreon.com slash everything elite. All right. We need, I don't know, I'm trying to scheme some way that we can just make the make the show more positive. Okay. You know, mostly a means to attract more listeners. Yeah. I just can't. We uh, is there is there an AEW Flobo out there we can get on board? <laughs> uh, uh, yes, I mean we could get like All Elite Tiffany maybe to join the show. I think she's got her own show. Maybe. Oh, is ours bigger? Uh, I think that I think that was the podcast that put us over and said nice things like in her iTunes review for us. So. Oh really? Well, thank you to them. I appreciate that. I guess um, I'm just. I guess I've just said that I don't know their podcast, but. So I feel bad about that a little bit. But it's no, okay. Everybody's got a podcast. It's hard to keep them all straight. That's um, true. Just the, are the WrestleJoy people available? <laughs> <I can't>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can find out. We can ask them. Um, I mean, we let's be honest. We need to just get Armin on this show. Oh, that is what we need to do. <laughs> we need to dedicate a show, a section of the show to slaying the E-drones, because that will always be AEW positive and will always put us in a great mood. Wait, you're actually right, Nate. I do think we should start a new segment called Slaying the E-drones. Okay, <laughs> starting next week, we will be debuting Slaying the E-drones, a weekly segment. Okay, sounds good. Wait, we're maybe, gonna not, have to, maybe not next week. What, yeah, what's we'll that going to sound like? We're going to start it soon. Slaying the oh, e can we can we get some shock jock drops where it's like sounds of people screaming and gunfire or something? 
Sure. And when I say sure, Slaying I mean, Edrons. I don't know, Mike, can you do that? <laughs> yeah, I can do that. Yeah, I, 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 I can take care of that. Uh, I, I, we also need like the, all right, we are here with slaying the Edrons. Sorry, I that think... was more strip called DJ, the last it shock was. job. It was a little bit. It's like, all right. <laughs> I shouldn't all right, do coming this. up on the main stage, slaying the Edrons. <laughs> Man, the Edron, I definitely thought the Edron Slayer had more followers than he does. I was thinking, <laughs> Real I was thinking we, should, we should pay him for promo. Oh, yeah, that'd be good. I do. It's his, his tweet from yesterday. On account of our capital letters, a mini success in Twitter, we've decided to expand ourselves to Instagram. So everybody got there, follow the Edron Slayer's Instagram account. I mean, we could, we'll have to... I, I'm not saying next week because we'll have to actually figure out what this segment might be like, of course. So, you know, give us some time. But I do think we should have a slaying the Edrone segment. I think that's a great idea. It's in the lab. It's in the lab. It's in the lab. We're working on it. All right. Here's what's coming up on Rampage on Friday. I, I put this schedule at the bottom of our notes just for myself, and I have somehow fucked it all up, and it doesn't make any goddamn sense. So... I got to figure That's out unusual. What's, what's wrong with it. Yeah, I know. Shit, right, I put together. I'm looking. <laughs> thinking of your, your rampage, you guys, that was like two nonsensical columns to anyone but yourself. Okay. I was like, I don't. Okay, that's I not true. <laughs> everybody but you understood. And by that, I mean you and me looked at it, and everybody <laughs> but you understood it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there was no possible way for an outsider to look at that and make heads or tails of it. <laughs> Nate, you know, uh, you just inscrutable podcasting. <laughs> exactly. We've had two Saturday dynamites, so I think you and me are still on board for Rampage yeah. this weekend. Well, we we needed to give people a break from the two of us, probably, <laughs> probably. instead of doing two two consecutive shows. <laughs> probably. So that's coming up, and here are the matches we're going to talk about. Nate, we're going to talk about Eddie Danielson. I almost said Eddie Kingston versus Brian Danielson. Uh, Leo Rush. No, it's not Leo Rush versus Matt Seidel. <laughs> and then we're going to talk three. about number three then we're going to talk about the trick-or-treat match brit versus Apatow, aka chucky's choice aka uh the winner no i don't know fuck it are they gonna do abaddon special effects in that i hope so i it's hope not so, literally yeah. halloween it's it's the 29th and they're taping it today Brit should come mm -hmm. out dressed as Abaddon. I think that'd be funny. Uh, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Nate, I, I need a point of clarification for for you Hit about me. something. Okay. So I, I, you're the person who has made it clear to everyone that every three way dance triple threat match is a crackle barrel clash. Mm. Is now every hardcore match that happens in the month of October, Chucky's choice. It should be every every no DQ match within one week of Halloween should be a trick or treat match. Um, there is there's a larger problem, which is that every city that AEW goes to seems to have distinct rules for street fights for some reason. <coughs> well, it's up to We'd the like to get some clarification on that. It's up Maybe to the commissions, just... you know. Oh, I mean, okay, yeah, you, yeah, you can you, do it in Baltimore. You can't do blood in a Baltimore street fight. Fight. You can't go into the crowd in New York. You know, I mean. You can't hmm. use glass in Pennsylvania. Yeah. Okay. There's a justification for that, I suppose. Wow. We, I'm glad we talked that out because that really cleared things up. I hope the trick-or-treat match makes it into the AEW video game. Absolutely. 
uh, Dynamite next week, which uh, Mike and I will preview. There's going to be a spot where like light. Abaddon puts out a bowl of grapes and is like, hey, Brit, put your hand in this. Their eyes. And then Brit, <laughs> Brit is like, ah. Abaddon just turn the show into a haunted house. <laughs> they should just do a worms match. Wait. should definitely be worms. Guys, does it hit? Doesn't Bray's non-compete end on the 29th? Oh, shit. Yes, but they're taping it today. <sighs> they could tape something on Friday and send it into Turner. Cult of Wyndham is here. Let oh, Wyndham that'd, cook. That'd be... That's that. I think you're right. They they go... They disappear backstage. Right. And then on Friday, they tape something to cut in to that backstage part with uh, formerly The Fiend, Cult of Wyndham. Uh, you know, being being scary or okay. having a puppet it, or whatever. It fucking sucks if you can't be called the fiend. Honestly, I, that will bum me out. Can you cl- claim fair use because the fiend? I mean, that's like a phrase. Like, right. can you? <laughs> l- let me check check the patent and trade. You can always office. claim fair use. You will never succeed if it goes to court. There's your answer. Yeah. <laughs> I, well, what if I'm he calls saying... himself the wrestling fiend? Oh, jeez, AEW fiend. AEW Fiend, that would be good. Oh, here's I, I mean, we don't want him to be the Fiend. No, I <laughs> no, do. Want I, him to be the fiend. I, I do want him <laughs> to be the Fiend. That's I mean, you're fucked up, Nate. I, I, I mean, <laughs> we were talking about being positive and out the show. I'm incredibly excited about the con about the idea of what Cult of Wyndham can do in AEW. I say let Cult of Wyndham cook because, at the I, very least, I, it's not going to be boring. I just want him to be. I just want him to be called the Fiend. I don't know that I really care what he does. <laughs> I just the name the Fiend just tickles a part of my brain now that I don't want to lose. I just I want to have that feeling between between this and being Chugs pilled, Aaron. You yeah, know, I mean, you, it's fucked up. It, <laughs> it's I one mean, of the. It's it's like when I was really into movies, you get to mm-hmm. a point where. Like you need like a fucking weird movie. That's like the only thing that I, well, I mean, it's also Matters, like yeah. you watch too much pornography and the more you watch the weirder shit you need, you know, <laughs> that was the subtext. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I just decided to make it text as we do. Yeah. No, I saw that. I saw you do that here in AEW. So, um, what was the original? Oh yeah. So wrestling also, we watch so much wrestling that at some point I just need something insane to, uh, to entertain myself. I don't. I think the fiend actually is boring. Is my main dispute with this is like okay. okay. So, so, I want to be honest. It's like you guys ever actually watched the I show? Say, I want to be honest. I've never actually seen the fiend. <laughs> like I, I, I'm just excited. I'm just excited about the possibilities. <laughs> I did watch the Firefly Funhouse match. Is that what it was called? Oh, that was probably the best thing he actually did as the fiend. I watched that and the the graveyard match or whatever it was called. Um, the and, one where Braun Strowman almost died or something. The, no, like the IRL, the Undertaker, uh, AJ Styles. Match. Oh, <laughs> yeah, and that actually rocked. To be honest, I loved that match. Thought it was, you know, decent. They had the funniest fucking uh, line reads. I mean, that's that was the best part of the match. And also, like Anderson and Gallows were funny in the match, so that was yeah. good. Hopefully uh, they figure something out that those good brothers can come back to AEW. Yeah. The impact partnership is over. Uh, Dynamite next week, Cody versus Andrade. They're in Independence, Missouri, by the way. Anna Jay versus Jamie Hayter and 
John Moxley versus Orange Cassidy. It's a better looking card than this one, I think. Uh, yeah. I mean, I was, I assumed going into the show that it was going to be bad and then it was, uh, just not a fun card, but this does look like it should be good. Of course we haven't, we don't know who Bobby Fish is wrestling yet. So we'll find that out. Uh, hopefully soon. Bobby Fisher is Tony Nese in the main. <laughs> uh, if there, if there's a Bobby Fish match on Dynamite next week, I am not watching it. I just want to be clear about that. <laughs> what, what, if it's this one. <laughs> what if it's Bobby Fish versus the retrosexual too? That's at least retrosexual is fresh to me. That's the thing. The fresh. Like, gross. I don't know. If, I, I actually, I, you know, I don't know if he's good, but at least yeah. he's fresh. No idea if he's good. Couldn't tell you. Uh, all I wanted, okay, so I will say shouts to CM Punk because he covered up for the, or as, as Nate would say, which I haven't said this in a while, he lampshaded, lampshaded. the whole Sting thing because he was like, oh, I had, he hadn't made it to the arena yet. That was his story that he told on the road to. So that was good. But he's like, oh, I don't know anything about this Anthony Green guy, but I wanted him to say that he'd always considered himself a bit of a retrosexual. And that is why he was <laughs> called to help. Anthony Green, but uh, Punk not reading my Twitter feed apparently. Which uh, try it out, man. It's a good account. If CM Punk follows you, throw a B some retweets. Absolutely, please. I want. Do I know anybody? Does he, <laughs> no, I was trying to think of there the is most... somebody somebody in our EE DMs the other day. Oh, that uh, that CM Punk follows. All right, <laughs> I was trying to think of like the biggest accounts that follow me. And then it made me laugh to think that any of the that CM Punk would follow any of those people, <laughs> you know, like Patrick Cosmos or Murder Brian or somebody. <laughs> you know, like, eh, probably not happening. Okay, we've talked a long time. Um, Twitter, you know what our accounts are: subscribe, all that stuff. Patreon, my bookie promo code Elite. That's it for Mike. For Nate, I'm Aaron. We'll see you next week. Okay.